Good morning. Welcome to Crossroads. Thank you for joining us. We've got a beautiful day out there, and you're here with us, and we appreciate it. Please join me in prayer. All right, Father, thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for each heart here this morning. Thank you for all of the people that come together to make this church what it is, Lord, to glorify you and uh, to reach out into our community, Lord, and to, uh, to show your love, Lord. So we just thank you for that, Lord, and thank you for free will. Thank you um, that you have blessed us with that as a gift. And as we uh, respond, Lord, to all of the things going on in this world, that we would um, be mindful, Lord, and that you would put on our hearts ways that we can respond that would be glorifying to you. Lord, we thank you for today's message. We thank you for Dion. We know that your hand is on her as she delivers it, Lord, and delivers your word. Um, it's in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. All right. Uh, join us with a video to start. Let's find out how good is good enough. Next. File, please. Mm-hmm. Some lying some stealing, and some acts of kindness here and there. I tried to live a good life. Well, let's see how good. This way. Next. Bio, please. Okay, I admit it. I did a lot of bad things. Yes, I see. But I've done good things too, you know, to offset the bad things. Like one time I cheated on a test, but then I cleaned up trash in the park. Mm-hmm. That should balance out, right? Let's find out. This way. That should have balanced out, right? It should have balanced out. Next. Bio, please. Impressive. Oh yeah, I devoted my entire life to make this world a better place. I dug wells in Africa, I donated blood every month, and I ran an orphanage in India. I mean, I just wish I could have done more. Mm-hmm. And is this your subscription? I only read the articles. I, I only read the articles. I only read the articles. Next. My mom goes to church. I was baptized as a baby? Take American Express, right? Next! File, please. Whoa! Somebody's been busy! Well, let's get this over with. Sorry, um, I didn't know he was with you. Okay, step on the scale. Not you. Him. Hey, wait a minute. That is totally not fair. That's why it's called grace. Next. <laughs> How fun is that? Oh my goodness. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Um, like Justin said, my name is Dion, and I'm just really glad that you are spending some time with us on your, on your weekend. 
Um, that's a fun video. It, it's kind of a classic for us here at Crossroads. We've shown that video a few times and, and I think even had the live drama at one point <laughs> um, some years ago, but it's so appropriate for what were we going to be talking about today. Um, we started our, a new series last weekend. We're focusing on what's called the fruit of the Spirit, and it's, it's these uh, characteristics and qualities that each person receives when they truly commit their lives to Christ. And, and we see that the verse here says the fruit of the Spirit that we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of these wonderful qualities that I think most of us, when we look at those, those are all something that we absolutely desire to have in our own lives. I mean, I don't know about you, but I really would love to have all of these in, in perfect form, um, just 100% all the time, never failing. And so um, clearly, I don't think that's, that's probably going to be the case for me. I will try. I, I look at the video and I think I, they would have needed a wheelbarrow to bring in my red slips, you know. Um, <laughs> but the thing of it is, is that what we're going to find out today and what Bill introduced last weekend as we, as we began our series and he taught on self-control is that when we have a relationship with Christ, we have an entirely new, we have an entirely new reality around us. And so that's what we're going to be really focusing on. And, um, I hope that we can really come to understand just how accessible all of these incredible qualities are that we don't need to worry about. So, but when we were watching the video, I think a lot of times when we look at the video, we think of goodness, and this is, this is the focus of today. We're going to be looking at the fruit of goodness. Like I said, we started with self-control last week. If you didn't have a chance to join us, you can catch it on our YouTube channel. But today we're going to talk about the fruit of goodness. But when we think of goodness, we might naturally default to thinking about being a good person, um, which is natural, and that's okay. And we should, we should ask ourselves the question, am I good enough to go to heaven? Now, we, we do have a tendency to maybe do what we saw in the video, where we, have a, we want to try to balance our, our sin with the amount of good works that we've done, and, and just be able to kind of see if we can offset these things. Now... My experience with this was some years ago, I had a severe health crisis that for me forced me to have to deal with that question. If I had died, would I be good enough to go to heaven? If, if I were stepping on that scale, what was going to happen? Um, but see, here I was that I, when I came to the point where I was literally in a life or death situation, I didn't think I was good enough to go to heaven. When it really came down to it, I came to realize that even though I was a Christian, I didn't think I was going to make the cut. But see, that was kind of part of the problem, was that I thought I was a Christian. I had asked Jesus to be my Savior. I prayed all the time, usually selfish prayers, but I prayed. Um, I did believe that he died for my sins and that he was the way to heaven. But when it was at that critical moment, the terrifying truth hit me and the truth of it was is that I hadn't been good enough. I wasn't good enough, and that was just the plain fact. I didn't, I didn't live like a Christian. I didn't act like a Christian. I didn't think like a Christian. I couldn't even present enough good deeds to offset the bad. So the good news was that it was in that moment, in that wonderful 
terrifying moment that God taught me that there was no amount of works or anything that I could ever do. I could never be good enough to go to heaven. And that it was only by God's gift of grace. And, and, and see, and this is where he taught me in that scary place that it's by faith in Jesus Christ. And that's for all of us. None of us can be good enough. It's only by faith in Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection and the grace that we get through that, that we can actually go to heaven. And so I realized then, and it was such a gift to be able to do that because it was, it was, it was just that awakening. And, and, so, and, and it didn't mean that I became a perfect person after that. Um, it was just the understanding. And, and see, and that's the hard truth of it, is that for all of us, there's nothing any of us can do. We can't ever be good enough. We can't ever do enough good deeds. And so before I understood what God's grace really was, the person I was is that I was a person who believed in Jesus, who was caught in this repetitive cycle of sin, day in and day out, just struggling to be patient with my kids, struggling to not lose my temper. I was battling depression. I was going through all kinds of stuff and, and unfortunately taking it out on my poor husband. Um, but here I was feeling just completely and totally powerless to change all of this. And that really is the point. I was powerless to change all of it because I was trying to change myself into a, who I thought I should be. And, and so here I am putting all this effort and trying to change myself. And honestly, I was just failing miserably all over the place. Now, I know many of us have probably been there. Maybe some of us are there right now. We believe in Jesus, and we're just caught in this repetitive cycle of sin just over and over and over again, feeling utterly powerless to be able to pull ourselves out of this, of this spiral downward. So I think I'm thankful that we're here today because if, we, if this describes us, the great news is that there is hope. We don't have to stay there. Um, and that's the reason for this series is because, when, like I mentioned before, when we, when we are saved by God's grace, when we make that commitment, when we fully gives our, give ourselves over to God, what happens is that we are a new creation. We become a new person, and we do receive the fruit of God's Holy Spirit in us to be able to, to unlearn all these things. And so we've got this incredible verse that tells us if anyone is in Christ, we are a new creation. The old person has died, has gone away. Now, I know that the weird part of this is that, you know, after we, after we make a decision to follow Christ, we may have our moment of feeling peace and joy. But for most of us, we kind of feel like the same old normal person. It's like, okay, now what? <laughs> now what happens? Do we become perfect? No. Are, are we still going to have to work through some stuff? And absolutely. You know, because before, before we come to know Christ, the spirit that's in us is, is the spirit of the world. It's the spirit of the devil. We are slaves to the sin. And so, you know, the old person is gone, but we're still laden with the habit of doing things the old way. And so part of our newness as a new creation, is that God's Holy Spirit comes in us. We now have a new power. We have a new heart, new thoughts, new nature, new character, new priorities, a new worldview. We've got all of this is now part of who we are. However, 
we will spend the rest of our lives having to unlearn what is called the works of the flesh. Bill taught us this last weekend is that when we do this, what ends up happening is that we are still faced with temptation. We're still faced with having to unlearn old habits, old ways. We're going to have to unlearn um, our bad words, our cussing. We're going to have to unlearn certain things of, you know, sexual immorality. We're going to have to unlearn fits of anger, unlearn division, unlearn envy. And we're going to spend some time doing this, but that's okay because God gives us the ability to do that. I am still unlearning old habits and responses. Just this morning... (laughs) As frequent as this morning, yes, I am still unlearning. <laughs> I'm still learning how to do this. And that's, that's the beauty of it. God gives us the ability, and this is what we get to do as a new creation. Now, God is going to be working all of this old out of us so that we can become the person that he has created us to be. So don't be surprised by the battle that's inside of you. Don't be surprised that the flesh and the spirit are opposed to one another, pushing and pulling. Our goal is simply to learn how to put on and practice our new nature. And so that's what we're going to be learning together, together like we said, over the next several weeks. And so today, as we, as we start talking about the fruit of goodness, my hope is that we're going to gain kind of a new understanding of what goodness is. Because I think sometimes we just see it as somewhat basic, the difference between bad and good. Um, but goodness the way the Bible describes it, is a little bit different than maybe we might be thinking. And so if we look at the definition of what goodness is, and when it comes to goodness in the, in the verse in Galatians, is the Greek word is agathosune, which means goodness for the benefit of others. It's not a self-seeking quality. It's not a quality where, where um, we're trying to look good to other people or earn rewards or trying to work off sin. But this goodness, the fruit that we now have in us, is something that comes out in us out of our love for God and our desire to please Him and our love for other people that what the good things we're doing, we're doing for the benefit of other people. So it's not to benefit ourselves in any way. Now, where we start with this, where we need to start with this, is the understanding of of we can do this Because goodness was first demonstrated to us by the very source of goodness himself, which is God and Jesus Christ. And so God began by showing us his goodness as demonstrated by the fact that while we were still, while we were in a place of sin, while we were still enemies, in Romans it tells us that while we were still weak, utterly helpless, to be able to do anything to fix our, our nature, anything to be able to fix where we were, that at the right time, Christ died for us at the exact right moment. So what this means is that, and in some translations, in the last part where it says God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, in some translations, the word is enemy. While we were enemies, Christ died for us. And so, and I think that's an, important, that's an important factor that we have to really kind of wrap our minds around when we talk about the fruit of goodness and, and understanding what God did for us. Because when it talks about that we were God's enemies, at any time we, apart from God, apart from a relationship with him, we are his enemy. We are opposed to him. And, and because of his holiness and our unholiness, we are separated from him. 
So what he did in his act of goodness was he offered up his son Jesus Christ to die on our behalf so that we could be reconciled. But he did this while we were enemies, while we were sinners. And this kind of blows my mind because what it means is that when I think of some of the most horrible things that I have done, and I know we can probably all reach back into our memories and think of that, that thing that we did that either hurt us, hurt someone else, that just absolutely, we wish we could go back and undo it. During that moment, God died for us. Every time we have ever said or done anything wrong, we were an enemy, and it was during that moment Christ died for us. And so when we read the verse where it says that one will scarcely die for a righteous person, maybe someone would die for a good person, you know, I think we can understand the concept. You know, when we take a look at how in our own lives, there's probably some people we love very dearly that we would be willing to give our lives for. I don't know about you guys, I would be more than willing to sacrifice my life for my kids, for my grandkids, my husband, you know, and so I get that. And so it's like, yeah, okay, we get that. But how willing are we to die for the person who has hurt us or hurt someone in our family or done something horribly wrong? We're not so, we're not so eager to do that. But see, that's what God did for us. And this is the foundation. This is, <laughs> this is the bar <laughs> that God has set in front of us when it comes to the fruit of goodness is do, and doing what is right for us because God did what was for our benefit, which was to make a way through his son that we could be restored into relationship with Christ. And so our benefit of God's goodness is that when we choose it is that we get forgiveness, we get eternity with him. But we can't just stay there. And, and he does this because, obviously, not because we've done anything to earn it. He does it because it's based on his character. God is simply inherently good. His love endures forever. His, he is faithful to all generations. He's faithful to this generation. I know some might question it because of the way the world is right now, but we'll get to that point. We'll get there. <laughs> but it's based on his character. He is good. He can't do anything but be good for us. Otherwise, it would completely go against his nature. It would be contrary to it. So we see, we see God's goodness come to us in, in this wonderful, wonderful thing of God giving us his son so that we can have a relationship with him. But there's another way that God shows us his goodness that we might not be in such agreement with, not be okay with. And that's when God is good to us in trials. And how can we see that God's goodness extends to us during trials and pain and suffering and persecution? But it's there. It is there. In fact, um, it is, you know, because it's easy for us to see, to think that God's being good to us when life is going smoothly, right? When, when the bills are paid and the fridge is full and, and things are right and the wind's not blowing in Ridgecrest, <laughs> God's being good to us. But when life gets hard, how challenged are we to feel like God is being good to us during that time? His goodness is demonstrated through allowing consequences and pain of sin. Sometimes it's our own sin. Sometimes it's something that's happening outside of us. Um, he allows trials and persecution and things to occur in our lives that is a demonstration of God's goodness. It is 
false for us to think that good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. In fact, sad to say, there are, there are some churches that promote that idea that if, you know, God wants us to be happy and God wants us to be rich and God wants us to be perfectly healthy and, and if you do this, that's going to happen. But if it doesn't, you know, if something's wrong, something's happening in your life, clearly you must be sinning or doing something wrong and that's just not true. We can't really expect God's goodness just to be shown through material possessions and easy living. And I know for myself, sometimes I think the most goodness I find is when God has allowed me to go through some pain. The health crisis that I went through was an absolute act of God's goodness. I mean, I'm so thankful for that time. I would never change it in a million years. It was the most physically painful thing I have ever gone through. It was absolutely terrifying. But he knew it was for my best to be able to go through that because it was in that moment that I truly submitted my life to Christ. And I would never change that for the world. And I know that you guys, there might be something going on in your life right now. Whatever you may be going through right now, whether it's physical pain, relational pain, emotional pain, please do not misunderstand that there's a good chance God's allowing it because it's what's best for you. And I know that doesn't make any sense to us, but here's what, here's what James has to tell us. He says, to count it all joy when we meet various trials, because we know that the testing of our faith produces steadfastness or, or patience. It produces in us, you know, character and things that, you know, we will become perfect and complete, lacking absolutely nothing. And so there's a purpose in it. God doesn't just allow things for, you know, just because. I mean, he always has an incredible purpose in it. And so even when we're looking at this, not only do we see maybe that pain and suffering is for our maturity and for our growth, but sometimes it's discipline. Sometimes we just simply need to be corrected. And the pain that we may be going through is a course correction that God is allowing inside of our lives. And, and you know, mo discipline never seems good at the moment. I mean, we know this. If you guys have children and you discipline your children and, and you're, you're doing a course correction for them, do they see it as a good thing? No. Are they like, thanks, Mom, thanks, Dad? No. <laughs> They think all of a sudden, you're being so mean to me, you know, and they just think it's the most horrible thing in the world. And we kind of feel that way too when it comes to God. We don't see it as a good thing, but, but we should because it's a God who loves us, who will correct us and who will help us in that. And the thing is, is that the grief that we feel in that is a godly grief. It should be a grief that produces repentance, a grief that turns us around. And I think that's what's happening in our world today. I know that, man, I know that we've been talking about that a lot lately, but let's face it, the, the garbage that's going on outside those doors is in our face. We cannot open a paper, look at social media, turn on the news without yet another report of something coming up. I'm kind of done with it. I think you all are too. But here we are. So guess what? Is it possible that it is God's goodness that all this is happening? <laughs> You're like, you have lost your mind. So here's the thing. Oftentimes, God's goodness is demonstrated through judgment. You know, God did that for the nation of Israel, where 
when they continued to reject him and go after other gods and they rebelled against him and they did exactly what he told them not to do, he allowed judgment and consequences to happen for the purpose of bringing them back to him. So for all of the chaos and the negativity that's going on in the world, make no mistake, this grief that we are going through is part of God's goodness to bring people back to him. And we know it's happening. The problem is, is we just don't always hear as much about that as we do the bad stuff. You know, but think about it in your own life. What has current times with the pandemic and everything else going, what has it produced in you? Has it caused you to read your Bible more? Dig into maybe kind of trying to figure out what's really going on? Has it opened up conversations with people that maybe you wouldn't normally have ever had an opportunity to talk to them about God and what's going on? So, you know, think about the good that is coming out of this. I think we kind of need to focus on that too. And so... His purpose in all of this, and, and when it comes to God's goodness, whether it's blessings, whether it's allowing pain and trials, whether it's judgment and consequences, is to conform us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. We see that Paul tells us in Romans that we know that all of this garbage, all of the bad things that happen for the people who love God and are called according to his purposes, God can turn all of these things into good. It does not mean he's going to magically change the circumstances and everything's going to become all rainbows and sunshine. It, <laughs> it would be nice. It, what it means is that the good is for us, developing character, developing Christ-like nature so that we become like his son, Jesus Christ. What an honor that is, that the God of the universe would want us to be like his son. That's unbelievable. And so we have that gift, and when we have that gift, and when we truly understand that goodness of God, that fruit, that nature, and that quality, and that he has included us, and he gives it to us, it does change us. It is absolutely life-changing. It's world-changing. We want to have his character. We want to have his nature. We want to have his heart and his mind toward others. It's not always going to be perfect. We're going to have good days and we're going to have bad days, but the desire is there. And so what happens is we kind of get to pay it forward. And that's where we come in the fruit of the Spirit, that as Christians, having God's Holy Spirit inside of us and producing this kind of fruit is the qualities that people see on the outside, what's going on around us. And for us, that's goodness. And so, that we, you know, things come out in us. The good treasure in our heart brings forth good. And here's, here's the thing is that what happens is the change that happens in us and us being able to pass this on to others is the fact that it is Christ who is now living in us. It is Christ that is producing this, God's spirit and Christ in us that we are now able to show the world what, what the change is. And it, and it often does come out in good works, but we must remember that our motive is now different. Our motive now is that the good things that we do are for the benefit of other people, not for us. And we do it because God was first good to us. And so that benefit is now to take that message and to take it to those around us, to bring them to Christ to, through love and serving them, meeting needs, and sometimes even in that, taking great personal risk. You know, being able to 
you know, um, feed people and, and visit people and do all of these things. And it shows that Jesus was saying, you know, when he, when he was hungry and we gave him food and thirsty and we gave him drink, when he was a stranger, we welcomed him. And basically what he is saying here is that when we serve others, we are serving him. This is how this works. And so, you know, as I was, as I was working on this and it was, you know, thinking about, you know, how, you know, thinking of some people that I greatly admire um, who are doing some incredible things around the world, who have done incredible things around the world. They have demonstrated this fruit of goodness, putting themselves at great personal risk in many cases to be able to do this for the purpose of benefiting others. And so I'm just going to kind of quickly share with you um, some of my personal favorites, just kind of as inspiration and encouragement. Um, in this slide, you'll see there's a couple of people. I'll start first with Mother Teresa, because I think a lot of us are probably most familiar with her. Um, Mother Teresa, um, obviously Catholic, she was Albanian-born. She lived in Calcutta, India, where she started the uh, Missionaries of Charity, which was an organization that was designed to help provide um, services and homes for people with AIDS and HIV and tuberculosis and leprosy. And when you think about it, that's, that's putting yourself in great risk. Those are the, you say those words and people scatter. <laughs> Nobody wants to be around the person with tuberculosis and leprosy. And she was a hands-on kind of girl. You know, so she, out of her love for God, wanted to reach the people that were considered untouchable in the world because she knew it was what was best for them. Um, the other lady on the bottom left, that is Corrie Ten Boom. We may remember her from school. Um, Corey was a Dutch watchmaker and a writer, and she and her family, especially her sister Betsy, during World War II, um, provided shelter for the Jewish people in, in, you know, from persecution from the Nazis. And so they actually had a room in their home where there was kind of like a hidden wall. There was an opening where they were able to hide Jewish people from the Nazis. This was something that she felt she was called to do, and it did put her at great personal risk. She was caught. Um, she was imprisoned in Ravensbrück in the women's um, concentration camp where she suffered greatly. But while she was there, she shared the hope and love of Christ to the other women who were also suffering there. Why? Because it was what was best for them. She, she put herself at risk. The gentleman up at the top, his name is Jacob DeShazer. His story, we can actually, um, you can, there's a four-part video you can see on Right Now Media, which is a free Christian streaming source that we offer here at the church. If you don't have it, um, you can just come, come catch up with us at the end, and we can get you signed up for that. But it's called From Vengeance to Forgiveness. And Jacob was a Doolittle Raider during um, World War II. So he was a pilot, and as a pilot, his plane did go down behind enemy lines, and he was captured and was, became a Japanese prisoner of war. The interesting thing with Jacob is that while he was in prison, he asked for a Bible, and he actually became a Christian during this time. And so after he was released, um, he was released, thankfully, but after he was released, he came home, he became a pastor, got married, and then he and his family went back to Japan, back to the place where he was a prisoner of war, back to the very people who had him in prison and preached Christ to the whole place. Because why? Why do people do such things? Because they know the love of God. 
and they know it's what's best for other people. And his story has been, you know, he transformed so many people. And these, you know, there's tons and tons and tons of other similar stories, and we look at those, and these are, to me, like some of the giants when we look at the inspiration of, of how God works through people to show the fruit of goodness. But here, here in Ridgecrest and here in our own hometown, I think we've got a few, what I would consider giants, they will get mad at me if I said names. I know one person in particular will scold me afterwards, so I won't say names. But <laughs> um, we, ha- you know, we look at people and it's like, okay, that's a big deal. We've got a big deal going on here. You know, many of, many of the men here in our church have been able to go on missions trips with the men's power ministry. Um, so the leadership team of the men's power ministry, guys like Louis Davenport and Mark LaDuke, who put all of this together, that invite other churches all over to, to go across the border of Mexico. This was when it was safer. <laughs> Um, to go across the border of Mexico to meet the needs of the people of Mexico, bringing food and supplies to help build churches and schools and all kinds of amazing things. Um, We've also got our our team that's going to be working through Baja Christian Ministries here going to Baja um, next week, in fact, in fact, to build a home for a family down there. You know, the things that we get to do here in town, reaching out to the community. We had Mission Ridgecrest yesterday where it was 18 coolers were prepped for people for winter. These guys, why do we do this? Because of the love of Christ. Because we want to show other people who he is. And the whole point in this is that we do this because it is a demonstration of our faith in that. You know, we do this because our light is supposed to shine before others so that they may see good works, our good works, and not give us glory, but give God the glory. When we go out to do coolers, we don't do coolers and do Mission Ridgecrest to make us look good. We're trying to show God off through us. We're trying to make connections with people because we know it's what's best for them. This is this is how that goes. And so and this, this is why we get to do what we do, so that God gets the glory for others' benefit. And so the point is, is that real Christians just simply can't help themselves but to serve other people. It is a demonstration of our faith. Faith and works go together. We really can't do one without the other. And so how does this look in our own lives? Because I realize that we, we look at this, and these are examples, um, especially the folks like Corey Ten Boom and, and Jake DeShazer. You know, they're inspiring, they're encouraging. But the truth of it is, is that we may not all be called to become missionaries. We may not all be called to hide people in our home, although, I don't know, we might. I don't know, you know, later, later, later. <laughs> um, we may not all be called to cross borders and build homes for people, but what we, every single person who is a Christ follower, we are all called to goodness in our daily lives. In every single relationship, in every single interaction, whether at home, at work, at school, at the Walmart, we really need to practice that there. Um, <laughs> Isn't that just horrible? I say Walmart, and I'm like, <laughs> it's awful. Um, we are blessed. We have a Walmart. Yay, yes. Um, and so here's the thing. When it comes to us on a daily basis, what does the fruit of goodness look like for us every single day on a practical level? 
Before we go there, I do have to, I do have to kind of give a disclaimer. True goodness will cost us. It's going to cost us our pride. It's going to cost us our selfish desires. It is going to cost us um, demanding that our needs be met. This is kind of one of those moments where Jesus made it perfectly clear. If we wish to follow him, we have to deny ourselves. This means we have to deny, I want you to do for me. Or I will do this for you if you do this for me first. We have to deny just our selfish desires and take up our cross every single day and follow him. Do what he did. Live like he did, sacrificially, putting others before himself. And so we need to understand first and foremost that this is going to cost us. And so we also need to kind of check our heart, see where we are in this, and check our heart and our motive. Do we really love the Lord? Because this is really where we're going to find out if we do. If we, if we say that I don't want to do this or I don't have to do this, we might need to do a little bit of a heart check. Is our love for the Lord and the desire to obey him going to be the thing that will compel us to practice doing this and to start practice doing this? And I will say it is going to take practice. I will also encourage you to say, please do not be surprised by the fact that you may not always feel like doing what's right and good for other people. I do not always feel like doing what's right and good for other people. But it does not mean that we don't have the ability. When we have God's Holy Spirit in us, it is not a matter of how we feel about it. It is a matter of choice. We have the ability. We can demonstrate the fruit of goodness. So, you know, like I said, don't be surprised by that. It's okay. If we walk by the Spirit, if we do what God wants us to do, we will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. So when those two are going at it, and it's like, I know I should be doing this, but I just don't feel like it, just do it. Because what's going to happen is over time, as we practice this, the feelings do change. And we do want to do it. And we do seek, you know, find ways to do it. And you know, like I said, I, I personally, I get tired, I get cranky, I get lazy, I get selfish. I don't always want to demonstrate the fruit of goodness, you know, when I'm in those places and, you know, when Caitlin's yelling at me down the hall, <laughs> you know, it's just, it is what it is. And the good news is, like I said, it's not dependent on how we feel about it. We just have to know and understand God has given us the capacity and the ability to show goodness no matter what. And again, it does take practice. So how do we do this? Well, when it comes to our daily lives, <clears throat> when it comes to our marriage, when it comes to our children, um, when it comes to the people that we work with or our friends, or when we interact with the community, maybe the homeless, um, the homeless population, um, there's some things that, that we can do to start learning how to practice this. So, and I'm just going to briefly touch on a couple of things. First of all, the understanding is that when it comes to the fruit of goodness, is that what it really means is that we're giving others what they need rather than what they want. Okay, tonight is Halloween. So a lot of people are going to take their kids out trick-or-treating. Our kids are going to want 10 pieces of candy. What do they need? 
Brussels sprouts. <laughs> oh, I saw a thing on Facebook, do the chocolate-covered Brussels sprouts. It'll, yeah, boy, the shock on their face, right? <laughs> chocolate-covered bread. Here's a truffle for you, sweetie. Okay. So <laughs> but yes, give them what they need. And, and so that's kind of the point in all of it is that, but it's, we give them what they need biblically speaking. It's not a matter of our opinion of what we think they need or, or what we think they need because we're, you know, of the emotions going on at the time. Biblically, what do they need? And so we look at, at what Paul tells us in the book of Romans it says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And for by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. Now, we bring this back because remember in the beginning, when God was first good to us, what were we? Enemies. God gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us while we were enemies. And so for us, there's a, there's a, a huge reality there that there are people in our lives that we sometimes consider an enemy. Sometimes, you know, if your husband forgets it's your anniversary, he might be your enemy that day. <laughs> I mean, but really, it's like there are people sometimes we might consider an enemy. There might be some people who have hurt us deeply. Someone may have come to mind that we may consider an enemy. Um, there are just those points. The whole point of it is, is that we really don't have an option here. I mean, the bar was set very high. And so again, we see if our enemy, if, hmm, let me just put it, if our ex needs something to eat. That was powerful. <laughs> if the person that we dread running into at Walmart is thirsty. If the person that we really, 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 really never want to talk to again comes knocking on our door with a need, are we ready to meet the need? Because that is how the, the fruit of goodness is demonstrated, meeting their needs in the same way Christ did. Now, let me, let me make this a little bit more difficult for us. Um, when we do it, we will heat burning coals. Now, this is not a I'm going to kill them with kindness moment. I'm going to set them on fire, that we're not suggesting <laughs> setting anybody on fire. What this means is that culturally, back in the day, um, the only way people could cook their food or their source of heat was with fire, live coals. And so you did not want your, your live coals to go out. Otherwise, of course, now you didn't have a way to cook your dinner. Um, if that happened, they would have to go to a neighbor. They would have to go find somebody who could give a live coal to restart their fire in their home. So what we are being told here is that we heap burning coals. If somebody comes to us in a need, we don't just give them just enough, one coal. We give them more than enough. We give them an abundance because that's what God did for us. He does not give us just enough to survive. He gives us an abundance of himself to be more than we ever thought we could be. So this is, again, this is the bar. This is the fruit of goodness. And so sometimes in our marriage, some, you know, and I'm going to, let me just focus on the kid part real quick. Because um, we have to ask ourselves the question, how, how can I do good for my husband or my wife? How can I do good for my kids? How can I do good for others? 
You know, when it comes to our kids, instruction and discipline and training, consequences and clear boundaries as consistently as we possibly can. It's not always easy because we get tired and, and we get, you know, worn out and there's just, they're, and you just kind of want to be like, go away. <laughs> just go away. But honestly, it's, it's going to mean making hard decisions. Some hard, really hard decisions that are going to go totally contrary to what everything else is telling you. There's going to be those times that there's that friend that your child hangs out with that is a bad influence. And if we're trying to raise our kids as Christians, we may have to tell our kid, you can't. You cannot hang out with that person. They're influencing you rather than you influencing them. They're not going to like it. But it is demonstrating the fruit of goodness towards your child because it is what is best for them. They may not agree with it at the time, but it's, it is what it is. But when we do this, again, remember, it's biblically based. So be prepared with Scripture to show them God's best for them in these areas, in friendship and in dating. We've got the maturity checklist and the dating and friendship guide at the back that you can pick up so that you've got the verses in your hand. You know, that's how we are good as parents. How are we good, you know, in other areas? I'm just going to go through kind of a list of verses that can help us through this. Um, Because really, in all of our relationships, the requirements are really somewhat the same. There's a few nuances there, of course, depending on the relationship. But if if we adhere to these verses, we will be able to practice and demonstrate the fruit of goodness. First of all, understanding that according in the, in the life of a Christian, that we are to think of others as better than ourselves, that nothing we do should be from selfish ambition, um, that we are to put others in front of ourselves. And yes, that means that, yes, if hubby forgot the anniversary, we still, he's still more, I have, if, if my husband did that and he would never do that, Ever. No, he hasn't. He never has. <laughs> um, but it's, honestly, it's like if he did that, I would still have to be a godly wife. I would still have to love and serve. We would still, you know, have a wonderful dinner or do something. It's like I, would, I don't have the option to, to treat him badly or speak to him in, an, in a way that's going to be unkind or hurtful. That's not an option for us. So, you know, when these things happen in any of our relationships, we can speak the truth in love. This means, you know, telling them what's best for them. Because sometimes, just like God allows pain and consequences in our lives because it's what's best for us, that can also be the same for our personal relationships. It may be if we have somebody that we love dearly um, who is drug addicted, we may have to speak the truth in love, not in anger, but helping them understand the nature of the sin that they are in. And this is not God's best for their life. How do we, how do we speak words that will help encourage them to get the help that they need? And sometimes it's tough love. Sometimes it has to be, you are making this choice and because of this, the consequence will be. And sometimes it's they're going to have to, you know, go to rehab or find a different place to live. Or, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of different things going on there. Um, but this is, how, this, is how we, this is how we work through these things. Um, and finally, in the last verse, in the last verse in this block of verses, um, 
that's in, that is in Ephesians is that we are to, if we are to just follow, follow the rule of being kind and tenderhearted, forgiving one another, loving one another, you know, doing the things that God did for us at first is this is when, this is when we have the opportunity to demonstrate the fruit of goodness because he did, he first did this for us. And so when it, comes, when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, the encouragement and the reminder is just simply, if you have made a decision to follow Christ, we have God's gift in us of all of these qualities, all of these characteristics, but we now have the privilege of learning how to live as a new creation how to practice each one of these things. And if you guys need any help with any of this at all, um, just let us know because this is what we're here for. You know, some, uh, if you need a little extra help with patience or whatever the case is, this is why we're here. And so please um, come see us and uh, yeah, let's practice a little goodness. Don't you think the world needs a little more goodness to see right now? God is still good. There is still good out there. It is really easy for us to become super overwhelmed with all of the darkness and all of the weirdness that's going on. We are maybe the only light that people see. So let's go be good. Would you join me in prayer? Father, thank you so much for your spirit. The fact that you don't leave, you know, you don't leave us powerless. When we choose to follow you, Lord, you do not leave us on our own to try to figure out how to live life, how to do this, how to, how to have the ability to be the people that you create us to be. You give us your very spirit. That is just incredible. And we thank you so much for that. Lord, may we walk with you and walk in your spirit each and every day, encouraging one another, being able to help show who you are and glorify you in a very, very dark world, Lord. Thank you for that privilege, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today.